0: Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with Alana Ubach, the actress you may know from the new series TED, movies like Bombshell and Waiting, and of course, the series Euphoria. She's hardly recognizable from one character to the next. She starred over 150 theater film and television projects. She was nominated for a SAG Award for her performance as Jeannie Piro in Bombshell. In this interview, we talk about comedic influences, character actors that inspired her work, why she never wanted to play herself, what she's most known for, the audition process for the series Ted, the comfort she gets from acting, and why there's nothing more exhilarating than earning a crowd's laugh. Here's my conversation with Alana Ubach.
1: I was born and raised in Los Angeles. And so it's almost like a, a, you know, Someone who's a showgirl who was born and raised in Vegas, it was just, it was bound to happen. Um, No one in my family is an actor in the business, but from the time I was a little kid, you know, everyone in the family said, oh, oh, that's, you know, crazy Alana, she's going to be the actress. Um, I remember being, I was like three or four and my mom and dad loved to gamble. And so they would fly out to Vegas back when, Flights were leaving every hour on the hour from LAX to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, we'd all fly out. And my, if my dad did well at the craps table, then he'd slip the mater D at, you know, the, the captain and Tennille concert, you know, a a, a hundy. And we, we'd sit right smack in the middle at the, at the dinner uh, table that was um, that, that had we had the best seats in the house and, For me, I think it was uh, the moment when I saw Captain and Tennille on stage. I, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that they were real, that they went to the restroom, that they got hungry, that they slept. And I remember asking my dad, Dad, do they go to the bathroom? And he was like, what are you talking about? That's stupid. That's a crazy question. Of course, they go to the bathroom. Alana, these are real people. They practice and they do their thing. And uh, and they will do the same thing again tomorrow and get paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the the, uh, the smell of the prime rib and the cigarette smoke and the footlights. It was so magical to me. And I thought, I I, I have to be a part of this in some way, shape, or form. I just have to. And that was it.
0: Was it always leaning towards more comedy? Like was it was it always like did you always lean towards comedic roles?
1: Well, I had a lot of energy as a kid. When I was 10 and 11, I walked myself home from school. I was a latchkey kid, and my babysitters were Mr. and Mrs. Jefferson and Benny Hill and Carol Burnett. So it was you know, bound to happen that I sort of tumbled into comedy because of those influences. But I had always been attracted to the character actors like Dana Hill and Richard E. Grant and and Hank Azaria, mm-hmm. uh, Karen Black, Kathy Bates. To me, those were those were the actors I wanted to be. I wanted. I never wanted to play myself, mm-hmm. and I've 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 always been that way. Uh, it was. It just seems to. It's just so, so much more comforting to, um, to, um, envelop yourself in another, in another person in another life and, and, um, and, and be nothing like yourself and look nothing like yourself to me that that is acting.
0: Does that mean you kind of like, you might've avoided paths of like more writing or stand up comedy and then does that mean you're working on more like voice work or what's, what's kind of the differences in going towards the character actor route?
1: Well, I I um, enrolled at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute when I was ten, and so I was I was you know trained in method acting, and it was a conservatory, and I was there every Saturday from ten in the morning to five o'clock at night, uh, learning about method acting and and taking singing lessons and taking dance class lessons and speech lessons and movement. Stand-up comedy, it really does take a certain kind of stamina to be in the stand-up world. You know, if you sign in at the Laugh Factory at 10 o'clock at night, you might go on at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't have that kind of stamina. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a lot of sense that it is a man's sport because mm-hmm. maybe had stand-up comedy been, you know, during Sunday brunches, I probably would have gotten into the stand-up wor- world. But I'm, I'm not... I don't I don't have the knack of of setting up a joke. So to me I thought ah I I, I don't know if uh, getting into the uh, you know stand up world is is you know really something that I'm I'm built for. And you know to to be all right going away, you know staying in a in a in a hotel by yourself. It's a very solitary lifestyle being a a stand up comedian. And it's it's a man's you know sport. It's it's a it's a you know, it's a boys club. Mm. And, you know, if you're if you're okay hanging out with that, you know, that whole um that whole world, then that's fine. But you know, I wanted to start a family and um I'm a homebody. So character acting seemed the the, the more um the the that, that made more sense to me.
0: Was there a certain role where you felt like you could make a career out of it or was there, or do you always have a confidence around it?
1: You know, I never wanted to play myself. So I, you know, it, I, I just sort of made it a point to never do the same role twice. And mm-hmm. I really do admire people that can play themselves and are absolutely comfortable, you know, in their own shoes speaking the way they do, acting the way they do, reacting the way they do. And to me, that is admirable. But I never thought I was enough. So I thought, well, you know, it just it was sort of a, a in my blood in a way. I was uh, 11. We were doing Caesar and Cleopatra at the uh, at the Lee Strasberg uh, at the stage Lee. And I played. I was given the role of of the chambermaid of of uh, you know Cleopatra's chambermaid, Fatata Tita. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I gave her one giant breast? And this breast sort of moved during every performance. And it it really uh, it was a success. The parents loved it, especially the dads. I think some mothers were uh, offended, but what are you going to do? Um, I, you know, there's nothing more infectious than, than, uh, a group of people laughing with you. There's nothing more infectious and, and, and more, uh, exhilarating to me.
0: So I talked to a lot of screenwriters. I have a lot of writers on the show. What makes an interesting character for you? Like, is there any advice about creating a really irresistible character on the page?
1: For me, it's it's really is about the storyline. It's how is this person a part of the storyline? How is it telling the story? How is it giving away information that's that's imperative to to you know a a, a pivotal turn in in an act and and to me that is is the most important thing. Um, and also, wow, I've never played someone like this before. This is interesting. Oh, this is Janine Perot. Who is that? Let me look her up. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at all this content about her. Look at her, oh, her voice is sort of that. Okay, yeah, I can do that. It really is about you know, um being sent certain material and, and thinking, "Oh, this this is a character I've never played before. Let me let me uh try it on for a second and see if it fits. Oh my gosh, it fits great." Okay. Yeah. I have to meet the producers in person and show them what I'm uh, what I can bring to the table with this. And um for me, you really, you know, with my career, you really have to be game to go in and meet everyone in person and and uh, audition because um, rarely do I get offered roles because it's usually like, oh, I've never seen her play a role like this before. Uh, we we've got to see her come in. We got to we, we got to have her come in and 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 have her come dressed as the character, et cetera. And um, you know, that's that to me is it. It's so rewarding. It really is rewarding when you, when you do actually win their trust to me, that is, that's my favorite part about, uh, about this.
0: So you're talking about bombshell there. How was the tone of the movie presented to you? Like, was it, is it a parody? Is it, how do you kind of, or how did you see it before it was made?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, Charles Randolph and, and, and Jay Roach, they, they sort of can, can do anything. To me, they, they do they do slapstick comedy incredibly well, and they do dramas. And so when I heard that that Randolph had written it, I thought, ah, okay, there there is definitely a serious to it, as well as a wink. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I thought from what I understood, there was an actress who um, who uh, did a Janine Perot on SNL. And I thought, well, I can't go that route. Otherwise, you know, it's it's going to take people out of the, the film. So to try and be as, you know, to try and find the the, the humanity in Janine Perot, I think, was the most important thing. Very rarely do people ask you to go over the top when you're coming in with a character. They want you to blend in as as, as seamlessly as possible. And um, for me, I thought, well, this is I, I, I you know, I, I, I literally have to be her the moment I walk into the room. Otherwise, they will never believe me and they'll think that I'm doing sort of an SNL version of Jeanine Perrault. So I, I, I've got to I've got to walk in talking like her, conversing with Jay the way she would, et cetera. And Jay's such an artist. He really does, I think, think like an actor. And um, and so he he has such a a, a a beautiful, peaceful way about him, like a soothsayer that he, he really is um, wonderful about, you know, leaving you alone or giving you an in- incredible uh, direction um, that, that'll fix it right away. He is so quick on his feet.
0: I think the maybe the first time I really saw you waiting came out when I was in college. We watched waiting all the time. It was a great movie. Is that is that one of the movies you're most well known for? Or what are you kind of most spotted for? You think
1: it really depends on the person.
0: Mm-hmm. The, you
1: know, if I walk into a record store, yes, yes, most most uh, guys will be uh, will 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 say, "Hey, wait a second, that's that's Naomi, that's the bitch from Waiting." But for um, when it comes to um, Every day now, nowadays it is um, euphoria. Mm. Um, I was at the Canyon Country store yesterday and, um, and that was, um, and that to me, it's, it's people, people see me as, you know, I'm, I'm not wearing any makeup as Suze. My hair is exactly the way it always is. So yes, I, I do get, (laughs) I do get spotted. People always say Suze, the drunk mom, you're the drunk mom. From euphoria. Yeah. That, that really did make an impact.
0: How did you kind of start to get into some of the animation work that you do? Do you have any advice for people to get into animation?
1: My manager, Margaret, who I've been with since I was 15, she knew an agent, Wes Stevens at Vox. And a couple of her clients had been um, voiceover actors at Vox for a couple of years and they were doing great. And she said, Alana, you know, You could, you could do little boys, you could play little boys, you sound like, you know, sort of a 12 year old boy, if I Mm -hmm. close my eyes, or, you know, a a 15 year old kid. Um, What about getting into voiceovers? And I thought, Oh, my God, that sounds like a great idea. How fun is that? I love animation. Mm -hmm. And so before long i was just booking left and right i mean it, it uh you know i sort of uh made my mark as as you know doing all of these little boy voices and um and then eventually fell into other voices here and there and i i thought oh my gosh this is so fun and so rewarding and um it it really did uh it, it really is um uh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Voiceovers to me are just it's its the ultimate because you can go to work in your PJs and uh, it takes a while to get into that world. But once you're in, you know, uh, casting directors are very loyal.
0: Hmm. Is that what led you to like meet McFarland and work on Ted or was it another? How did you kind of get involved with Ted?
1: Oh, you know, it was just another audition. I had gotten an email saying, "Oh, Seth MacFarlane is is uh they're they're doing Ted the prequel series on Peacock. They're looking for Susan the wife, and she's a Bostonian, and she is sort of a a, a wallflower, and um you know on the good ship Lollipop, while her curmudgeon husband has uh, rage blackouts." So I thought, "Huh, all in the family. This is all in the family. This is you know." I I thought, okay, this is something I I have to put myself on tape for. I sent it in. Uh, Seth saw it. I was called back to then read, do chemistry reads with Dana Gould and Scott Grimes. And then a couple months went by and um, I didn't think I got it. You know, I didn't think I had landed it. And so um, I got a call from uh, McFarlane and he said, would you like to come in and read a couple more scenes? I just want to make sure that this is, you know, a good fit and and I I thought oh oh good god I'm almost there. So <laughs> I hired a a a, um, a dialect coach and and went back in and um and that was it the rest is history. After I finished the the last scene, he said, "Okay, I'm happy." And I just burst out crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was, you know, it's to me when you're working on a character you'd never played before, especially Susan, who is such, um, you know, she, she is, is she's based on someone Seth knows and, um, she's almost, she she has the, the, the patience of a saint and she acts like a nun. And I thought, no, I I don't even have any footage of myself playing a character like this. I am going to have to be her the entire time. And I was the entire time we were filming and it really did help. It helped me. Hmm. And, um,
0: and I, um, I interviewed Diedrich Bader a couple of months ago and he was talking about the difficulties and like, you're not really in the room as much auditioning. You do have to make tapes. As you said, do you have any advice for actors making tapes today where you're not getting a response?
1: Making tapes is just such a gift. The fact that you don't have to be immediately on and then you're not given a second chance. That to me is devastating because why wouldn't, why wouldn't uh, a casting director want to work with you over and over and over again until you get the scene right while they're taping you, but you know, they're, they're strapped for time. They, they, you know, they want to go to lunch and they um, you're given five minutes to prove yourself. So with a tape, you can work it and work it and work it until you're finally comfortable with the right take. Um, you know, it, it's it. I just think it's so much easier for for actors nowadays to put themselves on tape. And, you know, if, if you are not um, uh, booking uh, after putting yourself on tape, then I, I, sooner or later, you will sooner or later, you will. I think when people give up is is that's the toughest part when uh, we're all in line. <laughs> I
0: think we're almost out of time. Can you um, is there anything else you want to say about Ted or anything you can share about Legally Blonde 3, which I think is in the pre-production.
1: I don't know anything about legally blonde Blonde three from what I hear. It is sort of in the works. Um, I, you know, it's, it's the life of, of uh, an actor like myself. I'll probably get a call maybe two weeks before they start production. Will you come in on these dates and that uh, in this date and blah, blah, blah. Um, Trying to pin down someone as busy as Reese Witherspoon is, is just a challenge unto itself. And I'm assuming that that is probably one of one of the the, the biggest reasons why it has been pushed back so much um, as far as production is concerned. So let's let's hope she can get pinned down for a couple of months, and um, and we can go along with uh, uh, Legally Blonde three. That would be amazing. Um, Ted is an event series. I think all of the the fans of Ted and new fans, um, it will make uh, will will. I I think be subscribing to Peacock forever after this. Everyone deserves to laugh right now. Everyone. Everyone deserves a nice, hearty belly laugh right now. Don't you think?
0: Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's Different Is Better approach, and learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy, that's digital download and audiobook, at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never missed an episode.